This is Gary Barnett, and you are listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to the Full and Focus podcast. My name's Matt Boisclair. I've warmed up and my nerves have recovered from Saturday after sitting in the cold by the river watching Fulham do their absolute best to chuck away a three-goal lead at home to Huddersfield. We did collect all three points, though, and remain within touching distance of the top two, and things are beginning to get a bit tasty at the top. I'm going to have a look back at the game with two usual suspects. Firstly, a man who's been off the radar somewhat today after having the world and his wife over to his house last night to watch the Super Bowl. And judging by the state of his fridge pre-match, he's going to have a headache today. It's Don Love. How was it all, mate? It's, it was good. We, we, you can keep it down a little bit, though, okay? <laughs> Are you feeling a bit delicate? Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Well, I'm, I'm pleased to hear it. It's not a party hey, hey. otherwise, is it? But, but at least I knew what state the winning champions are from. Yeah, what was this? This is Donald Trump getting it wrong again. Go on, quickly talk <laughs> us through what happened. Okay, you got to understand, I give him a little bit of credit. Uh, the city is actually split between two states. Um, a lot of people who do not know their American geography very well. Thank you, United States public school systems. You know, he just assumed, oh, Kansas City, Kansas City, Kansas. It's actually Kansas City, Missouri. That's where the actual capital is. So Donald Trump tweeted, didn't he? And, and got he it did. wrong, basically. He said, I love you, Kansas. And everybody said, well, we love you too, but uh, the Chiefs are in Missouri. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Classic stuff. Good old Donald. Anyway, moving on to better things. Moving on. Also joining me is a man who, since having broken into the Full and Focus podcast team, has almost been ever-present. His pod career has many similarities with the football career of Ryan Sessegnon, which means we will not keep mentioning his age as long as he doesn't disappear off to a Spurs podcast too soon. It's Will Oakley. Good evening, sir. Hello. Nice to be here. Hello, mate. All right, let's go. Fulham. As we predicted on last week's match preview show, Dennis Adoy came in for the suspended team ream and played alongside Michael Hector in central defence. Cyrus Christie started at right back and Tom Kearney, Kevin McDonald and Josh Onema made up the midfield trio. Meanwhile, there was fantastic news up front as Mitro was back after a three-week layoff playing with Cav and Bobby Reid either side of him. Don, your initial thoughts when you saw the lineup? You know, given everything that's going on, injuries, uh, our new player, not if I'm not wrong, he, he was not eligible. Uh, so Adoy going to center back only made sense. Um, I, I don't think we have anybody else that we really could have placed there. Uh, I assume that uh, Hector, you know, prefers the uh, right-hand side, so Adoy had to take the left. Um, as far as everything else, it's – starting to shape up as far as being pretty familiar week to week in, week out. Uh, pretty cool that, you know, K-Mac has kind of cemented himself back in there as the, the center pairing. My only question to you guys was you, you both saw the stats that uh, Stato put together as far as the best winning combinations in the midfield so far. And I believe the winning combination actually held Steph Joe and Tom and Arter. So if Arter's not available, why not go back to the original Steph, Joe, K-Mac, Tom? They used to be the winning combination. 
Yeah, that is the, the most successful combination this season so far. However, this was a winning combination too. <laughs> Kevin McDonald did do his best to get himself sent off at one point. I think he uh, he brought somebody down and then complained about the yellow and then kept remonstrating about it um, and it was eventually taken off. We'll, co- we'll come to that later on. Um, Will, what about your thoughts on the lineup when it when it was first announced? Yeah, I mean, of course, I was happy to see Mitrovic back. That's kind of the best thing that could have happened. I think we were all slightly worried about maybe is it back too soon or was he going to get injured again? But it's it, it's worth it. I mean, he he's such a clinical striker and he's what we needed really. Um, it, the defense and the midfield, I think it's the best lineup we probably could have put out with without Congolo. Um, I think Mawson's injured is kind of what's floating about but no one really knows for sure um but yeah i think does anyone anyone care about him at the moment yeah (laughs) well if anybody cares i have heard from two different people uh that they say the exact same thing he's got a knee injury really bad again he needs another operation and he's pretty much done for the season maybe even partially into next season so we had to bring somebody in is what i'm hearing we we had no choice yeah i mean and yeah, it's no, I'm not complaining at all, but Adoy wasn't exactly great. Um, but yeah, without Congolo, I think that's probably our strongest start in 11, to be honest. Okay, good stuff. Well, Fulham came flying out the traps for once. We're normally slow starters, but this time we went 1 0 up after 10 minutes. Um, Will talk me through it. Yeah, so it was a great ball, I think, by Hector. Um, Hector, yeah, forward to um, yeah, forward to to Reed, who obviously took a nice touch down. And Bakuna, I think it was at right back, didn't have the best position in, but it was it was great control and a great you know ton of pace to get to get past him. And then um, he was he was one on one with one of the Huddersfield centre backs, and he just took a nice touch. But again, it wasn't the best defending. And then he was through on the keeper and took it took him a nice finish and. You know, straight in the back of the net. It's a really satisfying goal, wasn't it? I loved how he how he beat his man out wide, got away from him, and then just the way he beat the keeper as well across him into the top corner. Don, great goal. It was a fantastic goal. And uh if any of you listeners were ever to get the privilege to be in our WhatsApp group, uh you wouldn't have been able to read how Matt Ten basically described the goal as the perfect example of why. Uh, Fulham are playing the tippy-tappy football back there in the back with square passes, back passes and all. And that was because of the way it opened up the left-hand side. As uh, Will was uh, alluding to or or just talking about balls out on the right-hand side, it's being passed down the line, trying to be worked, nothing's happening. Hector does an incredible ball floated across, you know, to, uh, to, to Bobby. Bobby chest it down and did, you know, that Maradona little play. He just chips it over his defender. And the best part about this whole thing, again, was for once Fulham was firing on all cylinders. I want to talk about this later when we get to a different player here. But it was the runs that was off the ball that also opened everything up and made it perfect for Bobby to just cut through the defense. So don't forget, it wasn't just Bobby there. There were some really great off-the-ball runs by some key players that we can talk about later that made well, that talk, uh, go happen. Let's, let's, talk, let's talk about him now. Which players are you talking about? Tom Carney. Tom, come on. Everybody's giving a stick to Tom. He's not doing this. He's not doing that. Well, I'll tell you what. 
there were several times where Tom made these little intricate off the ball runs that opened up space. And if you talk about, look at Bobby cuts in towards, you know, going towards the, the 16, Tom cuts across in front, taking his player with him, opening up that whole space that allowed Bobby to do his beautiful dance magic that got us the goal. So you got to give the, the players, even though they may not be scoring or look like they're doing anything all the time, a lot of players are actually doing something off the ball, and that, that's key to what's going on. Well, you mentioned Kearney then, and five minutes after the first goal, he's made it 2-0. Uh, we were quite critical of his performance, as you just said, Don, after the Charlton game, but this is a lovely finish from our captain, Will. Yeah, I mean, it was. it's a great, It's again, another great touch down, and I think it was Christy with a, with a pretty good ball in. And I think um, Fulham Twitter made a bit of a joke about this. They said scored with his right foot and right was in capital letters because it's not very common for Kearney to score with his right foot. But when you're getting in positions like that, you know, you should be able to score with either foot because it's it's great positioning. It's a hard finish still, but it, it just shows the team play. And like Don's saying, it's some of the runs off the ball that have kind of attracted the defenders out to give Kearney that, that space in on goal and a great finish to, to put us two up. Well, let's give a bit of credit to Cyrus Christie here as well, because there was a nice passing move before beforehand. Onoma played it to Cavalero. Cavalero knocked it back to Cyrus Christie. Then Cyrus Christie's got his head down, beating his man, picked out Kearney. And as you say, Kearney sort of flicked it up with his um, with his left foot and then just volleyed it across the keeper with his right. It was a great finish. Don. Again, so the key players out there that are making their runs and doing their thing and, and making things happen. Christie is playing what we want him to see or people do nowadays as far as that outside back converted into a wing. He completely overlaps everything. He gets the ball and he cuts back in. Now, again, I said, I want to start seeing these guys do this more often. Like you said, put your head down, go at the player. Don't just pass the ball back or forward or, you know, trying to do the overlaps. Actually take a player on 1v1. He did it. He beats the guy. He gets a beautiful ball in for Tom. Tom uses the weight of the ball coming at him and the speed of the ball to put it in the air. Very difficult to go across your body, especially with your uh, not dominant foot. So kudos to him. He finally used his right and we got a second goal. And then, of course, he was involved in the third goal as well. Uh, Our passing had been crisp in the opening half an hour. Our movement had been fluid and we looked extremely dangerous going forwards. Um, And and his ball out wide to to Joe Bryan to, to set up the third goal was sublime, wasn't it, Will? Yeah, again, it's, it's kind of reminded me of the first goal with Hector's long ball. It was Kenny, obviously, this time. But switching the play, Brian has so much space to run into. And, you know, he's played it across goal. It's still difficult for Mitrovic because he's kind of nearer the front post than he is kind of in the middle of the goal. But he just, you know, taps in, gets a bit more power on it to get it past the keeper. And, and it was at that point where, you know, we were saying this could be an absolute battering. You're right, and it was a tricky finish as well. Um, to, to put it high up into the roof of the net with the ball coming across you like that with, with your right foot as well, it was a cracking finish. It's so good to yeah. have him back. Well, what about you, Don? Were you, were, you, uh, were you pleased with that goal? Did you love it? You know, the first three goals, the, the first 40 minutes of that game, I thought were actually really, really good. And again, it goes back to what Matt Timmon is saying. Huddersfield was really trying to apply the pressure. You know, they've, they've seen, I'm sure, tapes of other games this season where, oh, if you apply instant pressure on Fulham, they kind of fold and you're in. You know, they, they, they're they not doing so well. Well, they went and put in the instant pressure and they just kind of would leave that open space to where 
you get these outside wings, Brian or Christy get in the space, balls are floated across, balls are put across into that empty space for those guys to run on, and it's becoming golden magic. Now, with that said, I'd still like to see some overlapping going on there at, at, towards the end to maybe get it down towards the touchline or to take that player on and get it into the finish. But beautiful finish. But sadly, I believe this is where we're going to start talking about what went wrong. We are. Well, 3-0 up, absolutely flying. And some Huddersfield fans were heading for the exit. So I was writing to you guys in the WhatsApp group saying, Huddersfield fans are leaving. And the bloke next to me was saying, yeah, well, they're probably going to make the most of their day out in London now. They might as well just go on the piss. And I thought, yeah, that, that's probably a good idea. This is going to end up being a cricket score. But lo and behold, a few minutes later, it is 3-2. Um, so we went to sleep at the back. The the first goal halfway line, um, I, was, I watched this back a couple of times earlier before we before we started recording because I hadn't seen the goal uh, since, uh, since you know, watching it live in, at Craven Cottage. I felt like Mitro was a bit to blame. Um, he kind of just watched his man run and then nodded the ball through. And then Joe Bryan was also to blame because he didn't he didn't track his man at all. And they, they just walked the ball in the net. I was listening to a podcast the other day called At Home with Colin Murray, which, which is excellent, by the way. I, I recommend that to anybody. And he had Ian Holloway on. And Ian Holloway said that he's always thought that when, when a team concedes a goal, there's three mistakes. I spotted two with the naked eye straight away then, Mitro and Joe Bryan. Lads, what did you think? On Huddersfield perspective, it was an okay team goal, the way they pushed forward. But from a Fulham perspective, there was too many mistakes. And I've always kind of said, Mitrovic, when he doesn't have the ball, does look quite lazy. But then again, he does score all the goals for us. So it's hard hard to say, you know, you're at fault for that goal when he goes up the other end and is top scorer in the league. But... But like you say, when when he's just walking around the pitch and and not helping the team defend, there is a bit of a problem there. And and like you say, the, the defense was just all over the place. It it was a bad goal to concede on our half, and and the fact that we conceded another one after just kind of just was not good at all. Well, there's a, there's another. I don't want to keep plugging other podcasts, but I'm going to the Peter Crouch podcast. Peter Crouch said the other. That's a good one though. It, it is a good one, but. And Peter Crouch said that in, in England, whenever there's a corner given, then we go nuts in, in the stands. We go mad for a corner. But he said, you're better off going nuts when the original attack's happening before the corner before the corner actually is given. Because if you can get the crossing first time, then players are going to be out of position. Whereas from a corner, players are all organised. Everybody knows their roles. And that, that's how I felt. You know, from from it was a set piece, wasn't it? That Huddersfield scored their first goal from free kick on the halfway line. Everybody should be able to defend that. Everybody's in position, but we just stood there and watched it. Don. So two things there. Uh, well, I'll, I'll talk about what um, what Peter's talking about real quick. Peter Crouch is basically describing what also kind of alludes back to actually in Holloway and what he was describing is. When people are in motion, things are in motion, and this is what we try and teach the kids, at least uh, here in the States, you know, there's going to be some type of mistakes. But when there's a stoppage, and for whatever reason, people have a chance to stop and collect their minds, they realize, oh, shit, we got to defend here. We got to do this, you know, and everything just changes. Now, the same thing, though, going back to in Holloway, I would also say when there's a goal scored, more times than not, within usually like five minutes, 10 minutes at max, uh, 
the second goal scored either by the opposing team or the same team. And I don't know why that is. I think for the opposing team, it's because, you know, the guys that just scored, they shut down. They're like, oh, we just scored. You know, we're, we're, we're doing great. And they kind of lose sight or focus real quick, and they let one in. I kind of think that's what happened here with Fulham. We got up 3-0. We just sat back and said, okay, we got this, and we kind of fell asleep. And that's when shit just hit the fan and we fell apart. So this, uh, last thing I'll say real quick before I turn it back over to you, Frenchie, is what Will is saying about a striker in the old days used to be extremely true. And we would teach the kids, you know, who, who defends on the field and we'd make them all say everyone. Well, in the old days, you know, you get a striker. If he didn't have the ball at his feet, he became a bump on the log. He was useless. He, they didn't know what to do. I don't have a, the ball at my feet. So I'm, I'm just going to stand here and wait for you to get me the ball again. Well, that's not the case anymore. Nowadays you've got to have the striker knowing how to defend. And if he can't defend, then breakaways happen or you're not getting the instant pressure on the ball that allows people to get into uh, in, into the other opposition's half, you know, and start doing things. So you can't have that anymore. You're right. If, if Mitchell's standing back and not doing anything, then the rest of the team's going to stand back and not do anything. It's kind of lead by example in my mind. So, again, well, me, everybody's got to defend. Mitchell normally does. He normally pulls his he weight. Does. But this time, this time he just switched off. And Tom Kearney said after the game as well that he thinks we just we switched off and you know we took our foot off the gas, and and that's what happened. And before you knew it, a couple of minutes later, it's three two. Joe Bryan again for me out of position. Will, what were your thoughts on the the Huddersfield second goal? Yeah, I think again it's just the defense was all over the place. Um, Bryan notably, and I thought Doy as well. Um, for for both the goals, um, it's something we've seen again and again with Joe Bryan, and it's been spoken about quite a few times. That very good going forward. Um, so we saw him, you know, play a good ball across to Mitrovic, but then he has to also help defend because he's playing in a defensive position. And as much as it helps the team pushing forward, we we need four defenders as well as the midfield and the forwards helping. The fact that the forwards aren't always tracking back. Yeah, at least means our defence needs to be awake. Yeah, good point. Well, we looked nervous after half-time. Huddersfield had their tails up. Um, there were three fantastic Rodex saves within minutes of the restart. One from a free kick conceded by Kevin McDonald, the one that I mentioned earlier, for which he got the yellow card. He tipped that one over the bar. Um, that was made all the more tricky by the fact that it got a, a flick off of Josh Onimer's head in the wall as well. The next one, though, was a superb acrobatic save. Uh, there was a cross from from the right wing. Dennis Adoy didn't really get rid of it properly, just headed it up in the air. And the Huddersfield player on the end of it volleyed it, and it was flying towards the top corner before Rodax tipped it away. He looked do you think beautiful. There's a, a better keeper in the division at the moment. Mm. Right now, you know, it, all players are the same, no matter what position. You start getting on a high. You start getting things are going good, things are going right, and you just start believing in yourself and your 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 abilities all of a sudden get to be better. You're 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 doing things that you thought you could never do, and I kind of think that's what's happening here to Rodak. You know, we we he got his his chance. He took it. He had a fuck up there in the beginning. We didn't know if he's going to come back. He gets back in. He's been running on high octane the rest of the time, and he's been doing fantastic. The question's going to be. Let's say we get automatic promotion, okay? And theoretically, you know, we're going up and he's our keeper. Is he going to remain number one or are we going to bring in like a lower level team? I personally, I hope he gets the chance. After his performances right now, if he continues the way he's doing, he deserves that chance. Mate, after the shit that got the chance last season, he's definitely going to have the chance if we go up. Uh, I just really, hope so. Rico, 
Rico in goal for the Premier League. Good grief. <laughs> Rather have my mum in goal, honestly. Absolute donkey. So definitely, definitely, definitely Marek Rodo. He's got all the he's got all the all the qualities of a top level keeper. He's I, a shot stopper, he commands his box. Um, I agree. If, if he people were comparing chance, him to Mark, you know, people were comparing him to Mark Schwartz. Okay. Yeah. Here's the thing though, Mark had all kinds of experience. He was when he came to us, he was in his 30s, I believe. Yeah. Rodok's only what, 22? Something like that, maybe 23. He's still young and he's going to start perfecting it and getting better and better. So I could definitely see him becoming one of your best keepers. You know, hell, who knows? He could become one of your uh, nation's keepers, you know, and go for the national team. Yeah, he could do, except he's not English, but otherwise. Oh, <laughs> anyway, come on. Where's he from? <laughs> he's not English. Where's he from? Uh, is, he, is he from Slovakia? Hang on. I'm going to look that up. Is he? No well, yeah. let's, See, let's if you guys hadn't uh, done Brexit, you could have probably still kept him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he is. He's Slovakian. Yeah, I just had to check that. I thought he was. Um, yeah. Well, I, I, I think the only, um, the only question mark over him would be if he carries on playing this well, will, will somebody else not come in for him? You could see a, a bigger team coming in and him sitting on their bench for a bit and then breaking into a, a better team's first team. What well, he's playing right now? F- fuck off, spuds. Yeah, quiet, quiet. Stop, stop nicking all our best players. All right, Scott Parker began to make changes and Cavalero came off, who I thought had a fairly ineffective game for him. He can be hot and cold, Cavalero. This wasn't one of his best games. But another player is back from injury, uh, AK-47, Abubakar Kamara. Um, he's been out for a few months. How did he get on? How do you think he did, Will? Um, yeah, I think he didn't have a massive impact. But then again, I think we were trying to, defend the lead rather than push for another goal because I think if we were pushing for another goal he would have absolute bombed forward but um I think yeah he definitely brought some more energy onto the pitch and and there was a few times where you know he he was pushed he was getting in with the defenders and if if the defender you know was had time on the ball. He was running, putting them under pressure, you know, darting from defender to defender, whereas other players might have just, you know, walked there, waited for him to clear it. He he was on it. He looked like he wants his wants his place back. It, he wants he wants to push for the starting eleven, and that's the best thing for for a team. A player that wants to that has the passion to push for a starting eleven place is just only going to put him on better form. And yeah, I'm I'm excited to see him come off the bench or maybe starting with, you know, knockout out at the minute if he's really only got to compete with Bobby Regan and Cav. So now is a good time for him to show his form, really. He's got all the enthusiasm in the world. And to come on in a game like that, it was great to see him come on. I'm not his biggest fan because, once again, we saw the two sides of him. We saw him chase down the goalkeeper from, you know, miles back. He's just chased everybody down. And then he's got in the way. But then he's, he also gets in the way of our attacks because Mitrovic has flipped the ball onto him and it, he's taken a touch and then put it into the putty end. And he didn't get nowhere near the goal. So yeah, yeah, he's, a, he's, he's a super frustrating player. But, you know, all the while he's he's chasing players down, then then he, he does serve a purpose. And of course, at, the at this level, he's not a bad guy, though. At this level, okay. Yeah, you know, we need to admit that because, especially as the, his cameo appearance was, bringing him on within the last say twenty minutes of the game or so, fifteen minutes of the game, and he's got that speed that 
you know, if you're the defender, you're shit in your pants. You're just like, oh my God, here's a freaking brick wall coming at me and he's got speed. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what it is. So you just don't know, as you said, what you're going to get with him on a touch. And that's where it, you know, I thought maybe he turned a corner there for a while. He, he was looking pretty good. I thought there for a while before he got hurt, like, you can argue with me and say bullshit, whatever, but I thought he was looking pretty good. No, His uh, touch think... there looked really shitty. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, I, he... No, I, I agree. I, I think, especially at this level, you can't expect a player to come off the bench, have pace, strength, and be a, a massive clinical finisher. Obviously, that shot was was dreadful. But but him coming on, it's not for the purpose of him to be a, a clinical finisher. It's for him to, to try and make attacks, put the defence under pressure. Because when the team's tired, you're going to get more chances. Exactly. So that's why you want to bring on someone fa- fast and energetic like him. Uh, and I think if if things went his way, he definitely could have got a few more chances. Um, but yeah, I, I thought he had a pretty pretty decent game to come on for the bench for twenty minutes. He showed us that we were, we were kind of missing him coming off the bench in the last few games. I guess the, the greatest compliment I can pay him is that I'd rather he was coming off of our bench for us than coming off of the opposition's bench against us. Like oh, you say, oh, you never oh, know what you never know what you're going to get with him, and you know if. If he gets into a position, then he's he's got a good chance of scoring, I suppose. But you know, hopefully we'll see him stick a few goals away. I'd, I'd love to see it. I'm I'm all for all the players that play for Fulham doing really well. But you know, he's he's just a bit too inconsistent for me in front of goal. What about the other substitutions that we made? Harry Arter did come on for Kevin McDonald, and then Steph Joe came on for Tom Kearney. Uh, Will were you happy with the the substitutions overall? Yeah, to be honest, I actually thought they were quite good subs. I haven't been a fan of his very late substitutions in previous games, but I thought on Saturday they were quite good. We we looked quite um, we looked quite good in midfield the whole game, and then you know McDonald's starting to get older now and slower. So I think bringing him off and putting Arter on, and taking off a more attacking player in Kearney to put a more all-round midfielder in your Hanson on. I think they were two good substitutions there. Naturally, Johansson's come on and got booked. Yeah, I was, I was about to say, he's, he's come on and about... <laughs> I love him. What, yeah, it's very quick, very quick in, and he just absolutely took someone out. But it, to be fair, he was running at our defence, and the fact that he's not starting every game, the occasional yellow to stop an attack, it's all worth it in the long run, isn't it, really? It's going to help us. I'm not saying they're going to go and score from that attack 100%, but it's, 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 it helped us because they didn't score. So that's all you can say, really. Well, it'll take them longer to get uh, uh, the required amount of yellows to have to miss a game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Got to love him, though. Got to love him. Oh, hell yes. He's ours. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I Just just want to talk about him for a very quick second here. I I love the fact that even though he wasn't in the, in the squad last season and then we shipped him out on loan, he's come back and he's still given his all for us. And he's, he's just a bit part player for us, really, this season. He hasn't, he hasn't been started every week, but he still comes on and he's still part of the team and, and he still gives his all. I, I love that about him. That's, that's just a true professional. Yeah. You know, the, the true professional. That's all that is. Absolutely. All right, well, Huddersfield threatened to cause further problems as the game went on, but didn't really create any chances. Um, a game that looked like it may end up in a massive win for Fulham at one point was far less comfortable than it might have been in the end. That being said, a win's a win, and with Leeds and Nottingham Forest also losing, 
it was a great weekend for us again, wasn't it? We're getting quite a few of these at the moment. The teams that are above us are slipping up, Don. You know, it's what anybody who follows this league knows happens every year. It just seems to be usually it's like Derby and Leeds that, you know, somehow they get up there and all of a sudden they slip and fall and somebody else is able to slide into their position. So right now I'm thinking it's more like between us and Brentford, you know, that could be the teams that slide up into those positions. So God bless, uh, you know, them for imploding uh, as is typical for this time of year in this league. So hoorah for us. If it it ended up as a Brentford Fulham 1-2, I'd be up for that. I think everybody fun. would be more yeah. than well, more than a final at Wembley between yeah. Brentford and Fulham. Nobody wouldn't wants fancy that. that. Wouldn't fancy that at all. Looking at all the empty seats in the Brentford end. <laughs> at least want to sell Wembley out, wouldn't you, for the playoff final? Anyway, right. Let's talk about man of the match then for this Huddersfield game. Will, over to you. Who is your man of the match? Um, for me, it's got to be Rodak. Um, to be fair, there was a point where I was thinking Kearney. I thought he did actually have a really good game, especially after we all slated him after the Charlton match. Then he came back in and put in a great performance against Huddersfield. But Rodak kept us in that game. Um, I think Hector was quite good. He stood out in a, quite a shaky defence. Um, but yeah, Rodak, I mean, we spoke about him already. The saves he was making were incredible. And how he pulls them off, I don't know. It's, it's, it's crazy, I think, how... We've never, what well, I mean, I don't obviously know what goes on behind the scenes, but the fact that no one's ever said b- before Bettinelli started going on bad form, no one's ever said, oh, give Rodak a chance, give Rodak a chance. It was only when Bettinelli went on bad form and we, we still had Rodak sitting on the bench, like, you know, why not give him a go? If anyone knew he was going to end up like this, I think he would have been in the squad from the start, in the starting 11 from yeah. the start of the season. Um but yeah, I, I don't know how he does it. Great saves and he won us the match, really. There was an air of nostalgia about uh, Marcus Bettinelli at the start of the season, especially given the way that he was kind of ousted from the team last season. And everyone thought, well, he was all right in the championship last time. He's, he's going to get his chance again. But sadly, he blew it. Anyway, yeah, he, what about he you? Blew it. He, he definitely what about blew you? it. Man of yeah. the match for me, you know, it's a typical Fulham match. It's, it's, a, it's a match of two halves, so... I, I agree with Will. You know, in the first half, I would have thought Tom, again, because he had some beautiful passing, some beautiful off-the-ball runs, and then his beautiful finish to get the goal. I would have de- definitely said Tom. But then in typical Fulham fashion, you know, we implode, and we have a different half altogether in the second half. So thank God, you know, Rodak actually was consistent from first half to second half, and he pulled off some woolly wonders at, of, of goal-stopping. So – Kudos for him. Thank God he's in our in between our sticks. And I give to him man of the match. Easy. Easy. I'd also agree with, with Rodak. And can you imagine if we were having this conversation half an hour in after Mitrovic has just put his 3-0 up and saying, you know, Marit Rodak's going to be man of the match today. You know, all right. If, if you want to give the yeah. goalkeeper man of the match when we're going to win 7-0, fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Never exactly. would have thought it, but... Lucky, lucky he was in between the sticks. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It would have been a different game. All right, let's let's come on to a Scott Parker racing then. So I'll come to you first, Don. Out of ten for Scott Parker for this one, what are you giving the man? You know, I give him a solid seven. Um, I'm not going to go any higher because 
I do feel like one of the things that Scott usually is really good at is his halftime talk. Supposedly, you know, he has done some wonders at halftime to inspire people to really come back and have some exceptional performances. But I felt like we just really not imploded in the second half, but we just weren't there, you know, and, and I, it almost shot us in the foot and made us lose the match or tie the match. So I'm I'm glad and I feel extremely lucky for Fulham happy for Fulham that they got uh, all three points and it wasn't just like a, a loss or, or only come away with one point. So because of the second half performance of the players, I know the players don't always, you know, reflect the coach, whatever the manager, but I, I'm, I'm only going a seven, a seven because he got the win. I'll give him the win, give him the lineup, but I think he could have done better when it came to second half inspiring the team. All right, mate, that's fair enough. I'm also going to give a seven. And again, I would have thought after that Mitrovic goal at 3-0, I thought he's going on for a, going on for a 10 here, and this could be one of our performances of the season. But the fact that we we took our foot off the gas and we didn't go and absolutely hammer them um, was just a, a bit of an um, anticlimax for me. So 7 out of 10. What about you, Will? Uh, I'm actually going to go for one higher, to be honest. I'm going to go for 8 out of 10. Um, I think if if we were 3-0 up at half-time and the game ended 3-2, it would have been a different story. I think it could have even got a 6 out of 10. But the fact that the two goals came after the team lost a bit of concentration, Parker doesn't really have time to, to talk to them. Maybe something before the match, he could have said, you know, when you're winning, you've got to keep your concentration. But the fact that then in the second half, the Huddersfield manager has probably, you know, said, come on, we're on a comeback here, we're on a comeback. Scott Parker's obviously said something in the the dressing room to to keep it at that score because it the the players must have been nervy after conceding two goals just before half time. It wasn't great defending at all. Parker's kept them in line and stopped the stop them stop Huddersfield from getting the comeback on. Good stuff. All right, lads. Well, thanks for joining me. Um, we'll be back in a few days' time to look forward to Saturday's big game in the northwest as Blackburn hosts us at Ewood Park. We'll also look back at the career of another Fulham legend with a link to our opponents. Speak to you then. Cheers.